Hello listeners and followers of Ufahamu Africa and the Monkey Cage. Welcome to today's segment. My name is Amita Maklo, an anthropol artist at Cornell University working with the Ufahamu Africa team. Remember, you can always read these reviews on the Monkey Cage's website. And for our first-time listeners, the Monkey Cage is a blog on everything politics and political science at the Washington Post. Thank you again for tuning in. Now let's talk politics. This episode is an analysis written by Nazneen H. Barma and she writes, This book explains when peacekeeping works and when it doesn't. To give peace a chance, start with the grassroots, not the treetops. What creates peace in war-torn countries? Since the early 1990s, conflict within countries has been responsible for the vast majority of war-related deaths. Getting the answer wrong has immense wrenching consequences like those unfolding in Ukraine. Conflict dynamics and the aftermath are complex, making peace-building a quintessential, wicked problem. Analysts know a lot about why peacekeeping fails. Bargains collapse among warring party elites and intervening powers are focused on their own objectives. Economic stress, reactivated local level grievances and climate shock can all lead to further conflict. And contradictory aims and inconsistent implementation bedevil interventions themselves. We know less about how building peace can go right. This is the premise of Severine Otisser's extraordinary new book. The Front Lines of Peace, an insider's guide to changing the world. Frustrated by the focus of so much scholarship, including her own on peace-building failures, Autisseur examines surprising instances of successful peace-building in otherwise violent context. While acknowledging that circumstances and specifics differ across place, she distills several principles for constructing and maintaining pockets of peace. Otisur crafts a new picture of the successful approaches to creating lasting peace from the ground up across different contexts. She begins with Idri Island on Lake Kivu in the Eastern Democratic Republic of Congo, where Idri's 200,000 residents live in unlikely stability at the epicenter of the Congolese civil war. Otisur attributes this surprising success to the island's self-pronounced culture of peace. A diverse network of local organizations, from the Catholic Church to youth and elders group, along with traditional beliefs and practices such as blood pacts, underpin a shared commitment to non-violent, community-based conflict resolution. Idris residents have created a flexible fabric of societal resilience that enables them to mediate normal disagreements away from outright conflict and into peaceful coexistence. More key lessons come from the Ruzizi Plain in Congo's South Kivu province. Here, Otizer highlights the method of participatory action research implemented by Life and Peace Institute, LPI, a donor-funded peace-building organization. In contrast to typically rushed conflict analyses conducted by external parties, LPI and its local partners worked over three years with the parties to and victims of the conflict to help them share perspectives, analyze problems, and develop their own solutions. 
Autosurs credits this deliberate small-scale participatory process involving those with whom the outcome most mattered with developing creative and highly specific solutions to address disputes through mediation and reduce conflict accordingly. The counterpoint to these hyperlocal peace-building successes lie in the expensive multi-dimensional interventions that the United Nations and a host of other governmental and non-governmental organizations have perpetrated with limited effectiveness in war-torn areas. Autoser attaches the label Peace Incorporated to the top-down, outside-driven and elite-focused approach that has served as the international community's main template for post-conflict intervention. Reprising the themes of her path-breaking earlier book, Peaceland, she delivers a trenchant critique of this standard approach without unfairly dismissing the good intentions of the vast majority of the expatriate technocrats who staff Peace Incorporated around the world. Autosur's self-reflection about her own past involvement in Peace Incorporated gives her clear-eyed appraisal some real bite. She thus adds texture to the long-standing and rich critical scholarship that has sharply condemned expatriate peacebuilders' myopia about local indigenous practices of governance and argue that peacebuilding should better resonate with the specific needs of the society emerging from the conflict. Yet, it is crucial to acknowledge that the indigenous successes celebrated in front lines are small-scale and almost by definition difficult to enlarge and expand. Some roles in post-conflict interventions can be played only by national elites and international organizations focused on large-scale processes and context. Autosur hints at the necessary connection between the bottom-up and the top down, or in her words, the grassroots and the treetops. The section on Northern Somalia's autonomous Somaliland region highlights this issue. Certainly, analysts of Somaliland credit its successes in building political order, peace and socio-economic stability to indigenous processes that were made possible, in part, by benign international neglect, not intervention. Autosur characterizes Somaliland as the largest case of bottom-up peace building she has identified. Yet the scale of success there has depended as much on indigenous top-down state building strategies and political settlements as on the grassroots work emphasized throughout the book. Even in the case of Congo, Autosur allows that properly reconceived international approaches can complement and amplify bottom-up initiatives. Pockets of Peace Perhaps the boldest and most surprising claim that Autosur makes in front lines is that the principles she gleans from Congo, Somaliland, Timor-Leste, Colombia and their post-conflict kin can and should be applied to societal violence in advanced industrialized countries. Though skeptical about this assertion, Autosur draws a delicate distinction between the wildly different context, that is, backgrounds, people, types of conflict, and the surprising similarities in process that can aid and sustain peacebuilding. Crucially, it is local people who have the knowledge and skills necessary to identify the root causes of the conflict they experience and to find and maintain ways to resolve them. Similarly, although there are inevitable trade-offs associated with peacebuilding, doesn't it make sense for those living with these decisions to make them?
These could be more surprisingly simple principles to live by. What truly sets front lines apart is Otisir's voice. With deep scholarly expertise and wide-ranging personal experience, she is among a handful of people who could write a book like this with authority, credibility, and compassion. She delivers a unique narrative illuminated by her research and the lived experiences of the hundreds of people she has interviewed and interacted with in conflict-affected situations. With this latest book, Autisir has given readers an original, deeply thoughtful and thought-provoking rendering of the vitally significant topic of peace-building and a stellar example of what engaged and policy-relevant scholarship can produce for wider audience. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this review. Do not forget to follow the Ufahamu podcast and the Monkey Cage on social media. My name is Ami Tamaklo and I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day.